in verse 8 or verse 9. Psalm 34 in verse 9. And we're going to read it from the Message Bible. And it says, Worship God if you want the best. Worship opens doors to all his goodness. Worship God if you want the best. Worship opens doors to all his goodness. Now today I want to talk about worship this morning. It's been on my heart. And uh, last week, if you were here, we talked about how to respond to life's challenges. We talked about we respond in faith. Now how do we respond in faith? Well, we respond two ways. We respond in faith by our words, but we respond in faith by our worship. But I want to talk about worship this morning. I've kind of been stirred up about it personally. And I only preach messages that God's preaching to me about. That's all I know how to preach. I don't have a preacher's dictionary and a preacher's sermon list in the back. I just preach to you what God's talking to me about. So I, I, I've been thinking about worship, been thinking about a worship personally and corporately. And I want to talk about worship today. And the title of my message is Creating a Culture of Worship. Creating a Culture of Worship. That's what I want to talk about this morning. And so I've kind of been stirred up about this because I really feel in our church, I feel like there's um, some things that we used to be really good at uh, that we've kind of not been as good at the past few years. And I, I know there's reasons for that. Now, don't take this with condemnation. Take this with a challenge. There's no condemnation. There's no guilt and shame with what I'm saying. But take this as a challenge from your pastor. I've been stirred up about this because I feel like in our church, I can't speak for every church, but I feel like we used to be better at worshiping God than we are today. You know, I know there's reasons for that. You know, you got to talk about something for people to live that out and walk that out. So if you never talk about worship, you're probably not going to have a worshiping church. If you don't talk about faith, you're probably not going to have a faith-filled church. You don't talk about healing you're probably not going to have people that are healed. So I realize you got to preach about it. And I haven't done a lot of messages about worship. I kind of assumed we all got it. But I know with everything, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Meaning that even though you know something, if you don't constantly hear it, you will drift back to a place like when you first didn't hear it at all. Same way about faith, healing, prosperity, joy, peace, the spirit-filled life, deliverance, whatever we want to talk about. If you stop hearing about it, you're going to revert back to the way you were before you had faith in that subject. So I want to talk about worship because I've been kind of stirred up about it in my personal life, but also as a church family because I want to see our church go to the next level in worship. So we want to create a culture of worship at Church on the Rock. Now, I think sometimes just because we have the title of charismatic Pentecostal or spirit-filled people in a church like ours, we feel like we get a pass during worship. Like, hey, I'm already spirit-filled. I don't need to be that expressive anymore. I used to be when I was younger. But, you know, we are charismatic Pentecostals. But, like, you could have said, could have fooled me coming in the church. Now, Understand what I'm saying. I'm not talking about being wild for wild's sake. That does nothing. But I'm saying if it's real, genuine worship, you're going to respond. You're going to respond with your face. 
I mean, a good old song, if you're happy and you know it, then your face will surely show it. If you're worshiping God and you know it, your face will surely show it. Also, your arms will show it. Sometimes your feet will show it. Sometimes your body will show it. You're going to respond in worship if it's a real thing to you. So we need to create a better culture of worship here at Church on the Rock. Now, sometimes we could say, well, it's... uh, you don't know the week I had, or uh, it's the worship team's fault. They're hitting wrong notes. I can't worship like this. Listen, if you're a real, real worshiper, you can worship with a banjo and a guy with two teeth. If you're a real worshiper. That's real worshiping. You don't care who's up there. You can get the hip-hop guy, get the country guy up there on the guitar. You go worship. Now, How blessed are you that we have good, relevant worship at Church on the Rock? You didn't come into 1985, Rain of Praise, this morning. No offense to Rain of Praise. That's what I grew up on. But you came to some worship that was relevant, that was good, with good musicians and good singers. That sometimes there's churches that are triple our size that don't have these quality musicians and singers that we have. Oh, you want me to be real this morning? Let's be thankful, people. So, anyways, man, I'm going down a side trail here. I need to stay focused. You guys are getting me off track here. But if you're a real worshiper, you're going to worship under any circumstance, under any feeling, any type of worship. You don't care because you're not here for the musicians. You're not here for the singers. You're not here for the pastor. You're here for God. And if God's here, you're going to worship. I love this, uh, thinking about praise and worship. Praise is we give God praise for what he has done. But worship is deeper, and it's a more mature place in God. And worship is you worship God for who he is. You praise him for what he has done, but you worship him for who he is. See, that's why I know you can worship God no matter what. Because even if you had a bad week, God is still God. Come on now, somebody. God is still on the throne. God is still good. He is still a provider. He is still a healer. He is still trying to help you. No matter what kind of week you had, he is still God, and he is still worthy of your worship. Now, that's where they get the word worship, from worth. Whatever you deem worth or worthy, get your worship. And when we come here and we praise and we worship God, we're telling God, you're worth it. You're worthy. We praise you for what you've done, but we worship you for who you are. And you are good. No matter what I'm going through, you are good. I mentioned this last week, but I want to say it again. Last week, we sang a song about you are good as a church. And and I said this because Janet sang it last week and she did a great job. And I said, you know what pleased God last week? Us worshiping God, telling God you're good and we worship you after a funeral. That's what pleases God. Because no matter what's going on, God is still God and he's still worthy of that worship. And he still deserves all the praise and all the glory 
And worship, notice, it's your proper response to God and your way out of those situations to get in a situation of victory and overcoming life's challenges. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're responding today. So I jokingly said, but it was true. The enemy didn't want us to respond that way. And last week when we sang, God, you're good and you'll never let us down, when maybe you didn't feel like that right then or didn't seem like that right then, that was a slap in the face of the devil. Because why does he send challenges? Why does the enemy send challenges? Because he wants to steal your worship. He wants to get your eyes off the problem solver and to get your eyes on the problem. He wants you to get your eyes off of God who is good and who is for you and to get your eyes on your circumstances and to get your eyes on your feelings and to get your eyes on what you're going through because he knows if you'll focus on that, that will become larger in your life. But when we keep our eyes on God and we worship him and we magnify him, he gets bigger. The answer gets bigger when we praise and worship God. So I want to talk to you about creating a culture of praise and worship in your personal life, but in church. I'm going to talk to you about myself personally, because I feel like God talked to me about it first. And uh, he was talking to me about this, and I was just thinking, you know, three years ago, three or four years ago, I was literally on the praise team from the time I was like 12, 11 years old. Now, how did that work? I'm the pastor's son, and I sneaked up there. No 11 or 12-year-olds could sneak up there right now. So how did I get on the platform when I was that young? PK. I barely knew how to play guitar. My voice hadn't even changed yet. The first time I sang, everybody was looking for a female singer on the stage. Like, Sister Jessica up there? I don't see her. Where's this coming from? But I was 11 or 12 years old when I got on the praise team. I played guitar and I sang. But I did that from like 11 years old to a couple years ago till I was 27 or 28 years old. That's a long time. Every week. Now, we used to have four services a week. I feel like we need to go back to that because some of you could use it. By the way, you guys look on Sunday mornings. I'm joking. Come on, cheer up. But, hey, we can always use more word, myself included. But we used to have four services a week. So, you know, every week, playing guitar, singing, worshiping God, and, and doing that at the quarry, and doing that at summer camp, and doing it, doing it, you know, uh, on Sunday mornings and Sunday night. I did that for all those years. Every week of my life, I played guitar and I sang, and then there was a season of life when Jessica had other things going on and with the kids, and she had a brain tumor, and I led worship for years and years and years while I was starting to preach. But a couple years ago, when I transitioned, I decided I can't do everything, so I'm going to focus on preaching, so that's what I've done these past three or four years. I barely even picked up my acoustic guitar in three or four years. But I realized I've gotten away from worshiping in my personal life because of that. Because I used to come up here on a Friday night. Now, this is for the Corey Age group. I used to come up here on a Friday and a Saturday night 
in a time in my life that instead of going out and getting into trouble, I said, I'm going to go spend time with God. Now, this is not the fun thing to do right now because I'd rather be out with everybody else and I'd rather have all sorts of friends. But right now, I need to spend time with God. And I would have to hang out with my parents on the weekends. Hello, somebody. But a lot of times, I would come up here to church when nobody else was here. And I would have my acoustic guitar and I would just play songs of worship to God and I would sing and I would make up songs and I would practice stuff. And a lot of Friday and Saturday nights for a season in my life, I did that, but I did that for year after year after year. But I realized the past several years, I've gotten away from that. I don't go pick up my acoustic guitar like I used to and sing to God. Even in my truck, I don't know if you guys are like this, but I used to listen to worship music all the time. But since I'm so into podcasts and teaching and preaching, I listen to podcasts 24-7, and I never turn on worship anymore in my truck. So I realize I've gotten away from that personally, and I feel like God was telling me and challenging me, you got to get back to that. It's not like you're neglecting it for wrong things. You're neglecting it for right things. You think, you know, I'm preaching, so I don't worship like I used to. Well, that's not an excuse. And I love podcasts, and I listen to them all the time. But you can't get what you need to get from God just by listening to a podcast. That feeds your faith. It helps you. It grows you. But there's only certain things you can get when you worship God. Just you and Him. When you worship God in your car, and you turn on a praise and worship CD, and you just worship God and you sing. Or in your house, you just sing and worship to God. Or in your personal life, if you know how to play an instrument, you pick it up and you play and you worship God. There's something special and supernatural that happens with worship. And I feel like as a church, we've got away from that some. And notice it starts personally, not corporately. But how many know if we're not doing it personally when we come together, we're definitely not doing it corporately. And that's what I'm feeling. That's what I'm feeling. That's what I'm sensing as the pastor here. We're not doing it in our personal life. So when we get in here, no wonder there's not much faith. No wonder there's not much response. It's like, huh. God wants to do something, but we're not responding. And notice, if you don't respond in your personal life, when you get together with other people, you're definitely not going to respond. You're not going to do it. But you notice the people that worship in here. I know they've been in their car worshiping before they got here. This is not just a show. No, they do this in their personal life. So when they come in, it's not awkward because I've been in God's presence all week. I don't feel uncomfortable because I've been worshiping in my private time. So it starts with us personally, and then we come together corporately. Now, I want you to develop in your your personal life because of all the things it brings into your life, but I want you to develop it so when we come together, there's something special with the corporate anointing that happens when we're here together, when we're praying together, when we're worshiping together, that can't happen when we're by ourselves. But if we're not getting filled personally, nothing will happen when we're here together corporately. It's kind of the same way when you're preaching and some people just stare at you 
and other people are nodding their heads saying, uh-huh, mm-hmm, amen, go ahead, preacher, that's right, go ahead, yes, sir. You know who's been in the word of God this past week. The person that's acting awkward like, I don't know what he's saying. You know they hadn't been listening to nothing all week. And there's nothing to pull from. But you know the people that have been in the word of God, they're saying, oh, yeah, pastor, I read that too. Amen. That's good. Preach it. You're saying it now. Why? Because they're already full in their personal life. Same way with worship. You can tell who's been worshiping through the week and who hasn't. And you know what what it what it makes me uncomfortable with sometimes because I don't like an awkward cold environment. And I told you about being emotional last week, but I don't like any coldness or awkwardness. I want us to come in and there not to be any awkwardness between us and God because we've been ignoring him all week. I want us to come in and you say, "Hey, I just saw you 5 minutes ago in my car." I've been in your presence all week. I've been in the word of God all week. I'm full. I'm not coming empty. I'm coming full. And we should get to that place as a church family. I'm not even to my first point here. I need to stop, don't I? You guys want me to keep saying stuff? Okay. But I'm coming so full Then when actual lost people come here, they're coming into an environment of faith, not awkwardness and coldness because believers have gotten lukewarm at Church on the Rock. Amen. I'm Joel Osteen this morning, aren't I? Come on now, somebody. I love Joel. I'm challenging you. Notice, hear this with not condemnation. Hear it with a challenge. I'm telling you why. God called me out first. He said, Jordan, you don't worship like you used to. And you can make all the excuses in the world. Well, I'm the pastor now. I got other things to think about. I listen to podcasts in my car, so I don't really listen to worship. God said, Jordan, you got to get back to worship because you got to worship your way through some things. You got to get back to worship. And it starts personally, but it comes together when we come together corporately. That when people come in here and when we've all been worshiping, the presence of God is so strong that sinners come to know God because of the presence of God in this place. That people get healed. No one even had to lay hands on them because the presence of God is so strong in this place. People get delivered because the presence of God is so strong in this place during worship. But that only happens when we're all coming with personally worshiping God all week long. So they don't just come in and it's like, yeah, it's kind of like just every other church, a little awkward. You got half the people singing, half the people staring. No, that's not right. Now, if you're new today, I'm not talking to you. I love you, but I'm not talking to you. Jump in with us. But we got a lot of seasoned people in our church, like myself. I'm 65 years old spiritually. 31 on the outside, 65 on the inside. I've had a lot of church in my life. But the thing is, with old church people, I'm not talking your actual age. I'm talking about just because you've been around a long time. You have a tendency to get away from some of the simple things that you used to be fired up about. That you used to be excited about. That gave you the passion that you had in the first place. It was the word. 
It was worship. It was prayer. It was being involved in a church. It was you didn't miss a service. It was you were excited to give your tithes and offerings because you were just in love with God. But after a while, what happens to all of us? We drift from that if we don't make it a priority in our life. Am I helping some people this morning? So we got to get back to worship. And I know God's telling me that because it starts with the leader. The leader's not doing it. You can't expect anybody else to do it. I feel like God even called me out for being right here. Now, don't everybody stare at me from here on out. Maybe you already stare at me. But I feel like God told me, because I'm standing here, and yes, I'm worshiping, but I'm thinking about, I'm about to preach. So that's all running through my head, because I don't want to blow it for you guys. But sometimes I'm not thinking about worship. I'm thinking about my message, and God's like, you're, you're missing the point here. Your message is important, but we came for God, not just my message. Now, he's going to speak through my message, hopefully, if he anoints it and shows up. But we came for him. So even standing there, so don't stare at me. Please don't stare at me. You're like, oh, Pastor George is thinking about his message right now. He looks awful dry during worship. So if you ever see me over there, I'm just thinking like, all right. Okay, let me remember this, 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 this. Now, if you saw your, my notes, you would understand why I'm thinking about it. But notice, it's about God. And if we focus on the right things, he'll help it. He'll anoint it. But we got to get back to worship. All right, I need to get on with it here. Let's look over to Romans 1, 25. New Living Translation. Romans 1, 25. And it says in Romans 1.25 NLT, they traded the truth about God for a lie, so they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. Notice the first part. They traded the truth about God for a lie, so they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself. Let's just leave this up here. I want to talk about this for a second because my first point is we are all worshipers. We have been created by God as a worshiper. Now, it doesn't matter if you're religious. doesn't matter if you believe in Jesus. doesn't matter if you just say, I don't believe in anything. You're still a worshiper. You can't get out of it. God created you as a worshiper. And he makes it really clear in this verse, super clear, that there's only two options. God says you're either worshiping him, the creator, or you're worshiping created things. Two options. He also says you're either believing God or the lie. Now, I don't have to tell you this, but you see this every day on the news and the culture. You see these two things playing out. There's only two options. They're either believing God or the lie. They're either worshiping God or they're worshiping created things. There's only two categories you can be in here, and that's the way that God created us to be worshipers. 
You see, so many people are confused about this, but God created us all to be worshipers. So the question is not if we are a worshiper, it's what are we worshiping? Because God has created all of us in here for us to give our love, our affection, our passion, our lives, our money, our giftings, our purpose to something or someone other than us. So that's either God or it could be a million other things, but you're still a worshiper. You can't get out of it. Because every day, what are we doing? We're giving our life for something or someone every day. We're giving our gifts, our money, our thoughts, our words, our passions, our interests, our hobbies, our love to something or someone, whether that's God or a created thing. So we are all worshipers in here. The question is, what are we worshiping? What are we worshiping? We're all worshipers in here. So we can either believe God and worship Him, or if we believe the lie, we'll worship other created things. Notice things that are beneath God that He created for our enjoyment, for our pleasure, not all bad things, but they're not God. And they should never take the place of God in our life. Here's, here's kind of a rebuttal people say. Well, I'm not, I'm not worshiping. I don't got no altar at my home. I'm not giving sacrifices to my TV. I'm not worshiping before the food network. I'm not giving sacrifices. I'm not worshiping. But worship is just, it's a bigger thing than just that. That's just one part of your life. But worship is whatever you love, you give to. Give your time, give your talent, give your treasure, give your thoughts, give your life to. That's worship. Now, I'm bringing this up because I want to start big with our concept of worship because we got to start there until we ever get to the part about us just coming into church and worshiping God. Because you're a worship worshiper 24-7, not just when you're in church. You're a worshiper when you leave these four walls and you go to work and you go to school and you live your life at home. You're a worshiper. And you're worshiping something. You're either believing God or the lie. You're either worshiping the creator or a created thing. So we're all worshipers in here. So let me challenge you with that. We are all worshipers. Let us every day analyze, not condemn ourselves, but analyze in a healthy way our priorities. What we love, what we're really worshiping with our life. The next thing I want to talk about is worship is a lifestyle. Romans 12 verse 1. Romans 12, verse 1 in the Amplified. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all its members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent, Service and spiritual worship. 
And do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind by its new ideals and a new attitude. This verse says, and a lot of us know this verse, Romans 12, 1, it says that we are to present our bodies and our life to God as a living sacrifice. Or love what the translation says, or that is our act of worship. So, so us living for God every day is worship. Us pursuing God every day is worship. Not just this on Sunday. This is important. But worship is a lifestyle. And I want to add something to this. If you only do this on Sunday and not Monday through Saturday, you're not really a worshiper. Because worship is a lifestyle. I want to read it from the message translation, Romans 12 and verse 1. I love this. It says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life, and place it before God as an offering or worship. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God, and you'll be changed from the inside out. So worship is a lifestyle. And I love this verse. The message breaks it down so clear. He says, I'll tell you what I want you to do. Paul's exhorting this church. Take your everyday life. You're eating. You're drinking. You're working out. Time with your kids. Time with your family. Time at your job. And I want you to present it to God as an offering or as worship. Because that's true worship. Not just this. Not just this, not just taking a lap, not just shouting really loud on Sunday, but we don't hear anything from you Monday through Saturday. Worship is a lifestyle. If you're going to worship God, every day you're going to wake up and you're going to say, God, it all belongs to you. And during the day, you remind yourself and you remind God, this is worship to you. My job, my personal life, my finances, my health. Are you, you guys remember Pastor Dennis? My health, my thoughts, everything about me, and I give it to you as worship. Now, because worship is a lifestyle. A lot of times in the church world, we narrow it down to just Sunday. This is important, but this is just a starting place. Worship is a lifestyle. Also, worship is a response. Romans 12, 1, it says that we are to present our bodies a living sacrifice to God, which is our reasonable service or worship. Other translation says that it's our reasonable response to God. Why? The first part says, because of the mercy of God, because of the grace of God, because of the goodness of God, because he saved me, and he healed me, and he delivered me, and he set me free, 
and he is my life, and he is my hope, and he is my peace. Because of the mercies of God, we're not consumed. Because of the mercies of God. And when I think about God and his mercy and his goodness and his grace, the reasonable response is worship. Not just on Sundays, but with my life. That's the reasonable response. Notice the Amplified said it's the rational, intelligent response. Like, duh! God is this good to you and you're not going to give him your whole life back? He knows better than you and you're not going to give him your whole life back? He saved you and healed you and delivered you, but you're going to keep giving him leftovers of your life? It's your reasonable, rational, intelligent response to God. Come on, I'm preaching this morning. So God says, when you look at the mercy of God, you respond. Once again, you got to make it personal. When you don't respond to God like that, what has happened? What has happened? We've all been there. When we all drift from our relationship with God and our worship from God, what has happened? It's real easy. You forgot. You forgot. You don't remember all he's done for you. Somewhere along the line, you got so busy with life and with kids and your job, and your 401k, and your hobbies, and your hunting, and your shopping, and your new car. You forgot somewhere along the line about the mercies and the goodness of God. That because God is good, you have breath in your lungs today. You would not be sucking oxygen on planet earth without the goodness of God. You could not move your body in the morning. You could not think with your brain in the morning. If God Almighty was not sustaining you and helping you do what you called to do. And that goes for believers and unbelievers alike because he's that good. And worship is a response. When we see the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God, it's our reasonable response. But we got to make it personal. See, we really worship when we know it right here. Not just your ribs, in your heart, in your spirit. And once again, you can tell when people come in and it's all up here still. But it has to get right here that when you come in, no, it's real to me. That's why I respond. Amzie doesn't have to exhort me. Brother Ronnie doesn't have to play the double bass to get me excited. Brother Daryl doesn't have to sing in him for me to get goosebumps. I came in and it's real. So that's all extra. But I respond because it's real. It's in my heart. But where do, how do we get that way? When you look at the mercy and the goodness of God, we present our bodies or our life to God as a reasonable sacrifice, a reasonable response, reasonable worship. So worship is 
a response. Here's another thing. Worship should be expressive. I'm an expressive person. Maybe you guys noticed that. Maybe you didn't. After all this time. Now, Pastor, I couldn't tell. And I like expressive people. I said last week jokingly, I I don't like non-expressive people. They're too cold, too hard-hearted. Do something. Smile, laugh, frown. Just don't give me straight face. Do something. Now, do you like that in your personal life? You want your husband and wife to respond to you like that? A little bit louder. What about your best friends? When they see you, what do you want them to act like? Exactly. Do a cartwheel for me. Do something for me. Act excited. Can you act excited as my dog acts when I come in the door? Act that excited. Be that expressive. Not your cat, because your cats ain't right, but your dog. You just say anything to a dog, and he's just wagging his tail. I love you so much. You're like, you're getting the spanking today. <laughs> you're not even going to eat today. <laughs> yeah. I love you so much. I've been waiting at the door all day. Express. How does that make you feel? Amazing. You feel like the best person ever until they poop on the floor. Or there's dog hair everywhere. Then you're like, well, we got to get rid of you. But how does that make you feel? It makes you feel Amazing. How about God? How about God? Do we ever think that way? Like, we like that. How about God? Are we expressive to God like that? If it's real, we should be excited to be with him. We come in his presence, not with a frown, but with a smile, saying, God, I love you. I'm happy to be here. But you need to be expressive. When you go to prayer... How do you act? All right, God. Let's put this time in. Would you want your friend to be that way with you? No. How much more God? How do we treat him? When we get into the Bible, this is what some of you guys do. All right. See where it lands. This is where the Holy Spirit told me to read today. Leviticus. That can't be God. All right, but I guess I'll read it anyways. Hopefully I get some out of it. Does that, does that make God happy? We got to be thankful that God's not like us because we would have got rid of people a long time ago. Oh, you act like that? You're gone. You going to treat me like that? Ain't no more answer prayers for you. But God is so gracious and merciful, we treat him like jerks sometimes. We act grumpy towards him. We don't, we don't act like we're excited to be with him. And he still loves us. And he still treats us good. And he still speaks to us despite our bad attitudes. And he still gives us stuff in worship when we didn't deserve anything coming in. And he still talks to us through his word and through prayer and through pastors and leaders. Even when we don't deserve it or respond right. But how much more when we respond right? How much more could you get from your relationship with God and church? Worship, prayer, the word, when you came in excited, wanting to be there. So worship should be 
expressive. Should be expressive. Notice I didn't say out of control. Bible says let everything be done decently and in order. But it should be expressive. Notice not taking away attention from God or the service, but it should be expressive. If it's real, it should be expressive. We'll say one more thing before I go to the last point. We're all expressive in here. Every last one of you, even the driest soul in this congregation is expressive at times. Trust me, there's been some dry, decrepit looks come my way in these years. But if you get you in the right setting, oh, you're expressive. Oh, you talk. You smile. You laugh. It's amazing. The same people that will act one way in church. You ever notice if you go to a concert when they take pictures, what is everybody doing? Why? Because they're worshipers. Be expressive at a concert. Maybe that's not your thing. Maybe it's sports. Oh, you locked up in church. Awkward. Just like a pole standing there. But your game comes on. Jesus, be a fence. You're doing laps around your house. You're screaming. You're acting absolutely nuts over a basketball game. You're punching the ceiling. You're throwing food in your face. You're high-fiving. You're not even on the team. And you're acting that way. But you come in and you give God. Hmm. Oh, I'm not expressive, Pastor. Oh, you're not. No, everybody's passionate and expressive about something. The same woman that's not worshiping at church will wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning on Black Friday. Oh, but 10 o'clock's too late for you to come to church on Sunday morning. You're coming in late every week. It's 10 o'clock, for goodness sakes. But you get up at 4 o'clock with an amazing attitude, full makeup, full outfit, at 4 o'clock in the morning, and you're running laps through the mall screaming and laughing and rejoicing over a new Kate Spade purse. But when you come to church, let's just get real this morning. Oh, 10 o'clock's a little late. I mean, a little early for me to come to service. I might be running a little late. 10 o'clock? Do you have a job? You get up a lot earlier than that every day of your life. Am I helping somebody this morning? So everyone's expressive. We just pick and choose what we're passionate about, what we're excited about. Notice what we're in love with, what we're worshiping. And notice when we are, your face shows it, your actions show it, your money shows it, your laughter shows it, whatever you love and you worship. So we're all expressive in here, and worship should be expressive. Last but not least, worship makes God feel welcome. Worship makes God feel welcome. Let's look at Psalm 22 and verse 3. 
but you are holy, O you who dwell in the holy place where the praises of Israel are offered. But notice it says that God, he dwells where the praises of Israel, that's God's people, are offered or we worship him. Some translation says that God inhabits the praises of his people. Where, does, where do we get the word inhabit? That comes from habitation. That means God dwells. He lives. He abides. He makes himself at home where we worship. And that place becomes his home and his sanctuary when the praises and worship of, a God, of God come into that place. When we worship God, we make God feel welcome. It's a promise in God's word when we worship God. I know God's everywhere, but he's not welcome everywhere. Trust me, you can tell that. Some people don't want God's presence there. But when we worship and praise God, we make him feel welcome. We make him feel at home. And when we do that, it says God inhabits or dwells or makes his home where we worship. How many know your house, your physical house, can be a home for God when you worship? That people come in your house and you go, this feels different. What is that? It's the presence of God because you've been worshiping and he makes his home there. Some of you can feel that when you come into this sanctuary. It's not just because this is a building called a church. It's because the praises and worship of God have went forth and he makes his home when we worship. You know your car can be a home for God. You can get in your car and turn on some worship and that place is where God will come and dwell and inhabit the praises of his people. Make his home there with you. And how many know if God is in your house everything's going to change for the better. There's a story in the Old Testament. My mind, go preach here. There's a story in the Old Testament about the Ark of the Covenant or the presence of God, and it was coming back to God's people, and David had to temporarily put it in this one person's house before he brought it back to Jerusalem. Some of you know this story. And when he did, that man's home was blessed and prosperous, and no one could touch that house because the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant, was in his home. So his children changed, and his family changed, and his finances changed, and his health changed. Why? Because God inhabits the praises of his people. He makes a home when you worship. Not just at church, wherever you worship. God's there. You know, you can be in a hospital room and God's presence come right there and make a home. You could be at school with all sorts of crazy stuff going on and worship God and God's presence makes a home right there. God inhabits the praises of his people. He dwells. So when we praise God, we make him feel welcome. Now, I'm going to do an illustration here, and I'm going to have Brother Sean because he is the master of illustrations. I need a chair. Can somebody give me a chair? Come on up, Brother Sean. 
I don't think you can even fit in this, but try. Can you do this? There we go. You look good. Okay. Now, I learned from the best. Brother Sean is the best at illustrations. And actually, he's done this to kids before at Bible Adventure Week, so I'm going to do it to him now. So let's just say he's God. What do you say, kids? How is your dad? Lord, help us. It's a stretch, I know. He's God. So, Brother Sean, you're God. You're knocking on my door. Pretend you're knocking. This is how a lot of people act when they don't worship God. I guess you can come on in. Come on in. Go ahead and uh, you can sit here if you want. I would get you something, but I'm going to go watch the game for a little bit. But I appreciate you coming by, God, and uh, it was good to have you here. Now, did God feel welcome? No. That's a lot of people do to God. They, they want God in their lives, but no praise, no worship. When we praise and worship God, he feels at home. He feels welcome. Anthony, come here. Help Brother Sean up. I'm sorry, Brother Sean. Did you get hurt? No, I'm fine. Okay, you're fine. I, no, put it back on. Put it back on. Oh, no, not, we're not done. I'm going to show you the proper response to this. Because when we worship and praise God, we make him feel welcome. We worship God. Knock on the door, God. Hey, come on in here. How you doing? Doing great. Okay. Praise God. Praise you. Okay. <laughs> Have a seat. Hey, can I get you anything? Let me give you a tissue real quick. We just want you to have all the tissues you need in case you need to blow your nose. Barbecue. Let's get you a mint. Um, let's get you some water here. And it's good to have you here. You know, is there anything I can, I can do? The bathroom's over here. The kitchen's here. We got barbecue ribs for you. Um, gluten-free, of course. Because um, you're God. You wouldn't eat gluten. You know better than that. Um, and uh, so how are you feeling? You feeling welcome? You feeling at home? I feel very welcome. You feel very welcome. So this is how God feels when we praise and worship him. There's a difference. Because it says God inhabits the praises of his people. He dwells. He makes his home there. And when we worship him, that's like telling God, come on in. Come on into my life. Coming into my situation, make your home here. But we do that by worship. Thank you, Brother Sean. I appreciate you. Come on, give it up for Brother Sean. Thank you, sir. So worship makes God feel welcome. Did you guys get anything this morning? Last verse, Psalm 34 and verse 9. Worship God. If you want his best, worship opens doors to all his goodness. Can we stand up together this morning? Let's get the praise team to come up here for a second.
Let's take an opportunity and a time to worship God before we leave. Let's do that last song that we sang. So we've been talking.